You're listening to the Catholic Psyche Podcast. The Catholic Psyche Podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not intended to take the place of medical or mental health treatment, therapy, or diagnosis. You should always consult a trained mental health or medical professional for such treatment. You're listening to the Catholic Psyche Podcast. This is Deacon Basil, and uh, it's Monday on the Catholic Psyche. And what we do on Mondays is we try and answer some questions that are sent to us via our website, www.catholicpsyche.com slash contact us. If you have any questions that you would like answered about mental health and the intersection between psychology and the faith, please feel free to submit those on our website and we will try and get back to them or get to them as quickly as we possibly can. This one today comes from Catherine and Catherine says, so happy you guys are back. My husband and I listened to your episode on empathy and had some good discussions. (laughs) And I, I'm thankful that we were able to uh, spur some conversation with your, uh, with your spouse. But uh, she continues, I had to laugh at myself because I used to teach 11th grade theology as part of our unit on, resurrec- excuse me, on reconciliation. I would whip out David Brooks' article, The Limits of Empathy, which essentially argues that empathy isn't ideal because it stops at an emotional experience and doesn't inspire action. Compassion, on the other hand, leads to action because it means to co-suffer. I learned many good things about empathy from your podcast. I have a follow-up question. What does empathy look like in parenting little people, especially toddlers? And uh, thank you so much, Catherine. I really appreciate the uh, submitting of the question. Um, What the... uh, Well, so I I think it's probably worth listening to our, our... discussion as the group therapist on empathy um, again, but I think it's it's important to kind of say, what is empathy and how does that differ from sympathy or, you know, the other kinds of things that we understand, perhaps, you know, like compassion in general. Um, and the problem is, is that sometimes we use certain language that overlaps, um, where empathy in a psychological sense might be a little different than when what it might mean in a philosophic or even theological uh, setting. So, you know, absolutely. I think empathy and compassion are both necessary, um, especially in reconciliation. And yet at the same time, they, they mean slightly different things in the way in which I, I think they're best understood. Um, so what I would say is from a therapeutic perspective, empathy is the thing that heals, right? Especially in the relationship. It is that, as we said, the triad of, uh, of, of change. It's that, that um, empathy, congruence, and positive regard. It's do I genuinely have a close attachment and feeling with someone? And there's an entire model of psychotherapy that is developed specifically to using empathy, uh, empathy, congruence, and positive regard as, you know, the, the tools. Um, it's called humanistic psychotherapy or Rogerian uh, psychotherapy developed by um, Dr. Uh, Carl Rogers. Um, and if you're on our Instagram page, you can see a lot of quotes from Dr. Rogers. He really is just absolutely phenomenal. Really getting to your question, though, what, how do you understand empathy and what do we do with empathy in relation to little people, particularly toddlers? And the way in which I have worked with empathy, and I really think, you know, I'm not specifically a child specialist. I do work with kids every once in a while. Um, but I think the particular way that I have worked with uh, children in the past has been using a form of parenting, actually working with parents primarily, called emotional coaching. 
Emotional coaching was developed by John Gottman, um, G-O-T-T-M-A-N, John Gottman at the Gottman Institute, which is at the University of uh, Seattle, or at least in, in Seattle. And uh, what he did, well, he spent years and years and years developing a uh, marriage model, a model of couples counseling, which is, you know, one of the two that we use here at the practice, but they're, they're absolutely phenomenal and they are really the gold standard for effectiveness. What the Gottmans then did is they, well, John Gottman in particular, he turned his research from couples relationships and the need for what we might say in relation to your question, the need for um, empathy within a relationship to the need for empathy between a child and a parent, right? Or rather a parent to a child. And this really develops off of the work on, on emotional intelligence. And I'll be really honest with you. I hate the phrase emotional intelligence. This came about in the mid-90s, but I, I haven't been able to come up with a better name for it. The reason why I don't like it is because emotional intelligence really is, can I recognize and understand my emotions? Why I don't like the word intelligence with that is that it makes it sound like people who don't recognize their emotions and can't recognize their emotions um, are somehow unintelligent. Um, it's just kind of some baggage around that word that I think we have as a culture and perhaps I have personally. But the idea is, is that can I recognize my emotions? Can I give words to describe what my emotions are? And can I understand exactly what they, what they mean? And when you really think about it, like, for example, when you're really, really, really angry, it feels an awful lot like sadness. You know, there's these kind of concepts of meta emotions that, you know, I think are very important to kind of understand is, you know, these are emotion, emotions that are all wrapped up into big emotions in general. So really the question is, is can we recognize our emotions? And there's a whole host of research on how emotions and emotional development uh, helps kids and helps adults uh, later in life. There's higher academic scores uh, for children, which is, again, academics is not everything, uh, but um, better long-term relationships and more solid long-term relationships um, and intimate, intimate partners uh, and relationships tend to be very uh, high as well. All of these different aspects of emotional intelligence, excuse me, all these benefits of emotional intelligence come with the ability to recognize your emotions. And I think very often, I mean, I'll just say this maybe personally, and I'll say this in relation to some of the things that I've seen both within the church and, and out in the world. I think we really struggle with most people are pretty emotionally unintelligent. They really struggle with understanding what are their emotions. And, you know, there's a lot of real funny things that people will say um, out in the church where they'll act like motivation doesn't really exist and and that, you know, somehow you can't understand motives. You just have to do certain things. And, and I'm kind of rambling here right now. You can see my frustration with some other stuff going on. Um, but really what it is, is the ability to say, what are my the emotions underneath my actions. Now, the way in which the emotional coaching was developed is it's done in five steps. And what it's trying to do is it's trying to help kids understand their emotions and where their emotions come from so that they can understand them in deeper and more profound ways. It's not love and logic form of parenting. Actually, it's much, much, much more sophisticated. And so it's done in five steps. And, um, I'll just use an, I'll just go through them really quick. And I would strongly recommend, though, that you go and read the book "Raising Emotionally Intelligent Children" by John Gottman. It's down in the show notes down below, um, and it it is probably the best parenting book that I've ever read. It's not about raising you know strong-willed children. It's not about you know trying to make children obedient. It's about helping kids understand their emotions. Okay. Without further ado, the five steps of emotional coaching. So step number one is be aware of your child's emotion. 
So you're trying to understand, especially those lower intensity emotions. It's pretty obvious to see your toddler is angry when they're throwing stuff across the room. But what about 30 minutes before that or 20, 30 seconds before that? You know, could you recognize the anger start to build before he started to throw his his truck across the room? And I think that ability to recognize those lower intensity emotions in the child and also in ourselves help us to be able to work on them and know that that really is the idea of being more emotionally intelligent. What are those subtle emotions there? And we can recognize them first for our children. Then step two means recognizing emotion as an opportunity for connection or teaching. You know, very often what in in raising emotionally intelligent children, what John uh, emphasizes is that parents statistically and relationally tend to fall into one of two groups if they're uh, emotionally unintelligent. They either look at child's emotions, negative emotions as like a poison that needs to be like sucked out of the children as quickly as possible. And so it's, okay, here's a teddy bear or let's go get ice cream. You know, that kind of emergency kind of, we're going to try and fix the emotion as quickly as possible. The other side though is to punish the child for having negative emotions. So it's either you want to try and suck the poison of the negative emotion out, or you want to try and punish the child for having those negative emotions. One example of that might be boys don't cry, um, which parents still say to their kids um, you today. So we want to recognize those lower intensity emotions, but emotions in general as opportunities for connection within the parent-child relationship. And then step three would be help your child verbal, uh, verbally label the emotion. So for example, if I had my child, one of my daughters, and she was very, very angry, and let's say, um, let's say she was getting up to that level where she was about to do something wrong. You know, she was about to do something that was um, about to throw a truck across the floor or whatever she might do. Um, what I would do in that situation is if, if, I'm, if I'm able or emotionally there myself or emotionally available, what I would do is I would pull her aside And I would maybe even sit her on my lap and say, it seems like you've got some real strong emotions going on here right now. I wonder if you might be mad. Do you think you're mad? Do you think you're angry? You know, and help her verbalize that because maybe she's not angry. Maybe she stubbed her toe, right? Maybe she's sad or maybe she's disappointed or maybe she feels like she doesn't want me to go to work. So help your child verbally label their emotions. Moving up to step four, you can communicate empathy and understanding about those emotions. This is why we're talking about this now in relation to to that question. How do we verbalize empathy to our children and say, you know, I I don't necessarily understand entirely, but I can I can be there and understand that, you know, this is very difficult. Boy, I get really angry, too. Maybe I get angry at people at work sometimes. So I want to communicate that empathy. And then finally, you want to set limits um, and problem solve. Now, emotional coaching sometimes is described as being a sort of non-consequence form of parenting, and that's absolutely not the case. If you do step one through four and you don't set limits and then problem solve, what you're actually doing is causing more aggressive kids. The research on this is pretty clear. The Institute has actually done clinical research on this, and it actually just causes more problems. You have to still set limits, but now you know the kind of limits that you really need to set. And you're hopefully not all worked up and angry because you can empathize with your with your child. One of the things that happens at the Gottman workshops on these things is they will have uh, people go around and ask ask parents to spend some time really meditating and thinking about what it's like to be a child. You know, I have a very deep, booming voice. I can only imagine what it is like to be two foot tall, standing right next to a six foot three man 
who is towering over you with a deep, booming voice. Now, I think my kids trust me, but at the same time, that's just kind of a scary experience too. So we want to understand that and express that kind of empathy. I think empathy with kids is the ability to help them understand their emotions more. So thank you so much, Catherine, for your question. I hope that helps. Again, Raising Emotionally Intelligent Children by John Gottman. And the, uh, uh, the Amazon link is down in the show notes. Uh, it's currently going for $9 on Amazon. So get it while it's hot. Uh, if you might have a question that you would want to submit to our, uh, to our podcast, please feel free to do so. If you can go to www.catholicpsyche.com slash contact or slash contact us and uh, fill out the form there. And we will answer your question as soon as we can get to it. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful week. God bless.